If you want to know anything and everything there is to know about how to sell your house, you're in the right spot, my friend. Welcome to the How to Sell a House podcast. Hey, we're going to talk about the 16 terms you should know if you're selling your house. We might even throw in a couple later. A few bonus. A few bonus, but um, my name is Lauren Sanders with the Beach Life Group. Cassidy Lewis. And I am Chris Erickson. And we're here to go through these terms, and it's going to be pretty quick. Um, And some of them you're going to go like, duh. Anyway, so number one is one of those, list price, listing price. Actually, Keep in mind that one thing I want to say about this, this is not the sales price. It's just a marketing, part of the marketing is the listing price. So number one is listing price. That's the price that it initially hits the market at. Number two, closing costs, fees associated with buying or selling a house. And they include title, your escrow fees, your mortgage fees, appraisal, any kind of legal fees if you're in an area like that, homeowner association fees, and some sites have commission fees. So, and it's a important number to know because it's going to affect your net of what you're going to walk away with in, in your in your property, which we we'll get into a little bit. The next term you probably already know, but uh, it's an important one, and that is commission, which is a fee paid to a real estate agent for their services. This is a negotiated number. Keep in mind that you get what you pay for when you're chatting with real estate agents and they already have low fees. Maybe look into their history of how they sell houses. Part of this too is real estate agents that have a higher fee kind of as their base usually do more to sell your house as well. So they have a bigger marketing budget. They are getting professional photos. A lot of the discount brokerages don't have those as their normal marketing campaign. Part of it too, you want to know what they're sharing with the other side of the transaction. So when you're hiring an agent to sell your house, there's a commission, uh, part of the fee structure, Part of that they're sharing with whoever brings a buyer for your home. So understand how that's getting split up as well. The fourth term you might want to know, you probably hear a bunch of people talk about escrow this, escrow that. Escrow is once you do called open escrow, it is uh, basically it's just a neutral third party kind of holds the money. They're kind of like the quarterback in the transaction. So they are going to be providing a lot of paperwork to you, make sure everything's right, kind of go through, make sure title's correct. And, and keep everybody on track, the selling party, the buying party, keep all the agents connected. Just essentially, they're just the, the group, the third party that's neutral in the transaction that hands over the grant deed to the new buyer and the money over to the seller. So that's just the, the general idea of what they do. Number five. Okay. Title company. Title is part of any sale that you do. You're going to provide title to a buyer, which is typically in our, you know, we're in San Diego. So typically in our market, the seller pays for the title policy, which is basically given the uh, buyer clear title to their home when they transfer it. Title company does the, the research on the title to make sure that that title is actually clear, that there's no clouds on the title, which would be maybe a tax lien. Also, maybe the, the lines of the actual lot lines or there's something in dispute about those. Um, but you want to make sure that you have a title company that is a big, solid title company that has backing. Because if you have a claim, I, I can give you a quick example of a claim I've experienced in real estate is a house was built over an easement. This was a newer house. People bought it. Five years later, the utility company that held the easement had to replace something and they had to tear off the back of the house. There was a problem. Mm-hmm. 
if you didn't have title insurance, it would be a real problem because then they would just do what they do because they have the right to do it. Um, what happened in this specific situation is the title company stepped in and actually bought back the house. I think they ended up tearing it down, moving it in the appropriate spot and rebuilding it, which if you own that house, wouldn't be great to be out of your house for a long time. So they purchased it and those people moved on. But that's a quick title. You want to make sure you have title, that it's a strong Big title company. And one thing you mentioned there, maybe you want to expand on it. We'll add it as another term, easement. Most properties have some sort of easement. Many utility easements are in the front of houses, but some are, you know, depends on where it lies. There's so there's also air right easements. There's right-of-way easements, depending on how the lot's situated. Sometimes you just have, your neighbor might have a right to use part of your lot to get to their lot. If it's a, what we call a landlocked or a, Flag. Flag lot, yeah. So another one, that this is a super quick one. I was going to buy a house once that had air right easements. And when I got the title report, I decided not to buy the house because I wanted to go part of – it was a little house and we were going to go up potentially in the future. So it is an important document that you get. It's an important part of the transaction to make sure that you're getting what you think you're getting. You've got an insurance policy on that really is, is the bottom line. The next term is deed or grant deed um, is the piece of paper that shows who owns a home. So if you are a seller, um, it's a good thing to keep on file and it just shows how you hold your ownership um, of your home. What if they don't have it on file? You would go to your local assessor. Um, you could also get in touch with your agent because your agent probably has the ability to get it either online through title rep is how we would or how I would do it. Um, or there's other ways to do it, but you could always go into the assessor's office uh, locally and get it there. Next term is going to be seller's market. If you talk to any real estate agent, they might be talking about seller's market, buyer's market, neutral market, whatever it might be a seller's market. It is when there is basically no inventory on the market, no homes for sale. Typically, like in a general terms, the amount of homes on the market, like a neutral market would be anywhere between four to six months. Anything less than that is going to be considered a seller's market. So right now, just to give you some insight into our current market here in San Diego, our inventory levels are less than a month. So a seriously heavy seller's market, meaning there's a lot of demand for properties. So as properties are hitting the market, a lot of them are getting multiple offers, going above list price. And it's just a term that we use to classify kind of how hot the market is. When we're in a seller's market, a lot of people as a whole kind of see that as like, oh, it's a really good market. Well, it might be definitely for the sellers. But on the other side, the buyers are all competing against each other. They're bidding each other up. Typically in a seller's market, prices are moving up, as you can guess, because it's a supply and demand thing. So Less houses for sale, easier for seller to sell, get a higher price, better terms. Net proceeds is the next one that we're going to talk about. Really, that's just the bottom line. Last number you're going to get that you're going to put in your pocket. They're going to wire to you. Um, They're going to give you a check that has that dollar amount on it. That should include all of your closing costs and any prepaid tax situation that you have to um, deal with at that point. That's the money you can take and go on to the next thing. Buy a house. Buy gold, buy Bitcoin, buy an island, <laughs> Depending on- whatever it is you want to do. Buy a bunch of bubbly. We've got cases of bubbly. <laughs> um. The next term we're going to chat about is down payment. This is the cash amount that the buyers are bringing to the table, the part that they're not getting a loan for. Um, and it is 
uh, an important thing to look at when you when you do get offers, um, your agent will kind of walk you through it. The down payment is one of the not negotiating tools, but it's when you're looking at a couple of different buyers and you have a bigger down payment here and a smaller one over here. Just something to think about for how strong a buyer's buyer is. We ran into it recently too, actually today, where our buyer was putting enough down on a home where they didn't have to get an appraisal. So just something to think about depending on what your market's like. The down payment can be a pretty important aspect of a buyer's offer. Next term is going to be something that as a seller, this is what you are trying to get through all your pricing, preparation, marketing. It's the offer. This is what comes from the buyer. And here in California, it is a pretty thick form. And there's a bunch of important terms in there that are going to include what Cassie just mentioned, the down payment, what else they agree to as far as contingency periods or inspection periods, uh, how much they are going to get a loan for. And here in California too, there's a bunch of other terms in there. So you're going to have a ton of different things, but it just kind of breaks down everything that the buyer and the seller are agreeing to and puts that into writing. So the counter offers a response to the offer written, and this is typically generated by the seller. But if you're in multiple counter offers or more than one counter offer, counter offer, counter offer, then um, some of the deals we do now take more than one counter. So it could be either side of the transaction writing the counter offer, but it's really a response to whatever the last proposal was, whether it be by buyer or seller. And typically there's some terms changing or price changing, something they want to change within that document that's not accepting the current offer the way it's written. So most times the counter offers are pretty, you know, not too crazy. In California, we also have a form called a multiple counter offer. If you're in that situation, um, make sure you understand how that form actually works as well, because you could use a, a counteroffer form or send to a buyer or a multiple counteroffer form, and they they take care of two different things. So if you have more than one offer and you want to send an offer response to two, three, four people, you use the multiple counteroffer form. And um, if everybody signs that multiple counteroffer, then you choose which one you want to which one you want to work with is the way it works here. The next term is earnest money. Um, this is your initial deposit. And so this, at least in our market, is due in the first couple of days of opening escrow. It is the buyer's deposit that is going into escrow. Also known as the, the good faith deposit, what they are putting down. It's kind of like capped out here. It's usually typically here in California, like 2 to 3%, but it can vary. And it's just like that like I said, it used to be called the good faith deposit. You as a seller, when you're looking at the offers that we just mentioned, this is going to be one of the items in there, the earnest money. And, you know, it could potentially affect the the offer you do choose. People in general look at low earnest money offers as not as solid an offer. Not as I mean, serious. I, I actually had one for a house that was over a million dollars with a thousand dollar earnest money offer, which is Subpar. <laughs> it's not something the the, yeah. the buyer the seller doesn't even look at those type of things. But As so a, good a good a good one is two to three percent. Three percent's best. Some people we had one not too long ago came in with two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Three percent would have been fifty thousand. And they came in with two hundred and fifty thousand. That's not all at risk. Mm-hmm. They just wanted to show, hey, we're Serious. Here and we're strong. Next term is going to be appraisal. And Cassie mentioned this term earlier. An appraisal is basically an estimate of the property's fair market value. So if you're working as a seller, if you uh, accept an offer that does have a loan attached to it, 
more likely than not, the bank is going to require that buyer to get an appraisal on the property where they send somebody out to see what their assessment of the value of the market is. They're going to run comps and kind of what has sold around that property that is relatively similar as far as condition, location, and come up with a fair market value for that property, uh, which will in turn be what the bank will loan on that property. So it's a pretty important part of the transaction. And it is something you will have to deal with if you are accepting an offer with a loan for the most part. Sometimes it does get waived if the down payments are enough or it just comes lender to lender. It just kind of varies, but uh, more than likely you will have to deal with it. Contingency is the next one. And that's really just a condition that has to be met before you get to the next part of the uh, transaction or, or go further along in the transaction. So typical con- Contingencies we have are loan contingencies, appraisal contingencies, like we mentioned, uh, disclosures that are part of our transactions here. And that is a contingency. There's a time frame to have all those things sent to the buyer. And um, so contingencies are just those things that are, you know, you have a deal as long as these things are met. If these things aren't met, then you actually, what happens is you might have a new deal. It doesn't necessarily mean the deal's over. You might need to renegotiate the deal if there's something that doesn't come up correctly on a contingency. Like in a normal market, you buy a house for a million, it appraises at 950. The appraisal contingency would probably go into place and either the buyer might decide to cancel, they might decide to add $50,000 to their down payment, they might decide to ask the seller to remove 50000 from the sales price, or they might split the difference. The, the contingencies are there as a protection mode to make sure you're getting what you think you're getting and to uh, you know fully assess the property while you're in escrow. So as a seller, when you're looking at offers with your real estate agent, you want low contingency periods or less contingencies in general. So that's just something to, to think about. Due diligence is another term that you might hear. And this is the research that a buyer does when they are purchasing a home. If you Even if you think your house is perfect, there are going to be things that come up in inspections, there's going to be disclosures that you're going to need to do to give to the buyers and they have time to look through these things. So due diligence period is that time frame that the buyers have to go through all of the inspections and all that stuff and do all the research they want to do to then remove some of those contingencies like Lauren mentioned in the last term. Typically seven to 14 days out here. And one bonus term that you might hear as a seller or potentially need if you don't uh, if you don't have your other property that you're going to purchase uh, purchased yet is uh, something called a rent back, and it is basically a time frame that the buyer agrees to let you stay in the property after it does close, and it could be anywhere from one day to depending on lenders all the way up to about fifty nine days. But it really depends on the market conditions. If if we are in one of the, the seller's markets, like we mentioned earlier, where the sellers do have enough buyer demand, potentially a rent back is something we're seeing a lot in this current market, you know, like a 30-day rent back. And it could be different timeframes, like I said, but it also be different prices. In a traditional market, you might be uh, renting back your own home once you sell it for a certain pr- agreed upon price. Right now, we're seeing a lot of free rent backs where the buyers are allowing you as a seller to stay there 
for free for that determined time. So, and so those are just uh, about 16 terms you need to know when you're selling your house. There's a lot of other stuff too. If you guys want to learn a lot more, we have a bunch of other podcasts, how to sell a house podcast.com. Go check that out. A ton of resources. You can hit us up if you are looking for agents. We have a lot of connections throughout the nation. So we can hook you up with somebody great in your local area. We're out here in San Diego. If you're in San Diego, hit us up too. As always, thanks for tuning in. Catch you next time.